0: to welcome everybody to the eastern forum being bridges to the gospel just a show of hands how many here in the audience are not brought up in the apostolic christian church faith Okay, There's a handful very good well at the end we may call on you for some insight on some points that where we all can learn uh, i'd like to introduce the panel that is going to be speaking this afternoon. My name is Mike Netchigold, and my wife Svetlana. We're from Kitchener. We have Brother Edmund Reinhardt from Western Road, Toronto, and Amy Doucette from Beverly Hills, Michigan. I'd just like to welcome everybody for coming out. When we were asked to participate in this forum on hospitality, we really had to take a step back and look into God's Word and see what The true meaning of hospitality is according to God's word. In Romans 12 13, we are exhorted by the Apostle Paul to be given to hospitality as a commandment for every true believer. So, what does hospitality mean? Well, we did some research, and the translation from the Greek is comprised of two words it's um, to love or to show affection to strangers. So you might say to yourself, show love to strangers, that's a big undertaking. But, you know, we as a body of believers, you know, when when people come up to us and say, well, you're so hospitable, one of the first things that comes to our minds is, you know, having people over at our home and spending time with them, sharing a meal, providing accommodations for them, um, you know, for our friends and our fellow believers that are traveling well that's that's good but when we compare it to what god's word says you know it does instruct us that being given to hospitality is to show love to strangers so in turn we did change the name of the format of the form to being a bridge to the gospel as we are tools in god's hands that we can lead those that are coming to our fellowships and our churches and our congregations to the lord biblical hospitality as stated in Luke 14 Jesus says that when you have a dinner or a luncheon we should invite, you know, you don't want to invite your family your friends and your rich neighbors because in turn they're going to invite you back and you will receive your reward instead he wants us to invite the poor, the lame the crippled, the blind those that are less fortunate than we are that are in need that their needs are far greater than ours, so that we can be an example and a light to them, and thus our reward will be in heaven at, or during the resurrection and, and also in heaven. showing type, this type of uh, hospitality to strangers is scary it's also leaves us vulnerable, it also can be dangerous, and we, you know some of these individuals can take advantage of your kindness. Um, but you know god's word in matthew 10 instructs us that you know we are to use discernment and wisdom in doing this and practicing and he does require us to love them i have to say that you know we all could use a little bit more in-depth knowledge on what true biblical hospitality is and that's why i'm so pleased to see so many of you here this this afternoon
1: So why do we use this imagery of a bridge to to explain how to bring the loss to the Lord? Well, if you think about a bridge, would you really be comfortable crossing a bridge that wasn't attached on on both ends, right? You know, it was attached, you would rather be scary. Really, to be useful, a bridge has to be firmly attached at both ends, otherwise you want to stay off of it. And... Now, applying that to, to our subject at hand, let's think of our ultimate example, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus wanted to bridge the gap between that, that infinite chasm between a holy God and us, a sinner. And he can do that, and he alone can do that, because he was totally uh, intimate with the, the Father. They were one. He, he told Philip, Philip says, well, how can we know the Father? Show us the Father. And Jesus says, well, if you know me, you know the Father and so for that reason he could he could reveal the father to us but not only was he attached on the end of god he came and he identified and he attached himself to us and he had the compassion and he didn't uh, play favorites he he actually identified even with the the dregs of society the the whores the sinners the and he uh, they could see in his eyes that he really cared and i was just thinking as i was listening to uh, to uh, Sue Rollo's testimony on, on Sunday night you know she she had you know great intellectual material you know the Lee Strobel's book you know it answered all her intellectual questions but that did not do it for her that didn't uh, was she needed relationships she needed a context of loving relationships that the Mansfield church provided in order for her to be able to to understand and take to heart uh, these truths and make them real to her and so God didn't just give us the word, even though it's a living word. He gave us the, the word made flesh in relationship in order to bridge that gap. And, and that's the role that God wants us to continue as his body to do. So if we're to be bridges between the Lord and lost, obviously we need to have a relationship with the Lord that's real and authentic. And uh, the world is very discerning about uh, hypocrisy. And they can tell if If that's not really there it's not going to work and uh, also we need to again just like Jesus we need to be able to uh, to have a relationship and reach out to those who are outside of our circles those who who are lost and they are not going to respond to us Uh, they don't care what you know until they know that you care and so caring is really love is really the greatest um most powerful way uh, that we can evangelize it's not uh, how powerfully you can speak and how well you can present but it's how authentically you can love and uh that's shown if if uh, i find that the critical thing or, or why some people are wi- are willing to open up to me and we can get into deeper levels of communication as we're going to talk about is if if i listen in a non-judgmental way if, if they start revealing things to me and they tell me you know they're a homosexual or they've had this in their last the past they told me that that i don't react in a horrified uh, way that you know oh you know how how dare you be in my presence or you know back up as uh, as uh, jeremy was talking with the lion yesterday that 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 they know that no matter what they do i'm not going to reject them and that that's so important that they feel safe that you care and you're committed to them as a personal, as a person, just like God is, and He's not horrified by the things we've done. He's still committed to us, and being committed to them, uh, they that matters. And I've had a number of friends, uh, you know, question and challenge and, and, and me on that. Uh, just recently, we had a, a couple who who come from a non-ACC background and are members in our church for some time, but their sister is still kind of on the fence and is not quite sure um, wh- whether she wants to commit to our fellowship. And so she's asking, now, if Edmund, if you weren't in church, would Edmund still be your friend? You know, they want to know, is this just about getting them into church? You know, Or does this relationship a real human relationship where you care about them as a whole person? And they want to make sure you don't just see them as some sort of project or, or a convert, or as someone that how you can stick a feather in your hat that you brought someone to church that you really care about them as an individual so looking at this bridge analogy here there's two ways things can go wrong with with bridges or there's two ends that they can be detached right and i would think that probably the most typical um uh, scenario for for us in in our church we're we're uh really have a very close tight fellowship with each other and it's it's kind of uh natural for us to feel safe and comfortable with those that are like us and to restrict our social interaction with, you know, good, positive Christian influences. And so as a result, we may not have any contact with the world. We can have what's kind of like rabbit hole Christianity where, where you kind of pop up from your one Christian rabbit hole of, 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 of you know, your, your friend and you go to Bible study and, you, and you're always running from one nice, safe Christian environment to another and we never really uh, come in contact with the world. And so, of course, if, if, this, is, if this is the church, I mean, we, we're bringing them to Christ. But just like Christ had to be in the flesh to uh, show that relationship, Christ in the flesh now is your church. And you want to bring them to be a part of the church body. And you are the bridge here. But if you're not connected with the world, well, they can't even get on the bridge, right? And just like Romans 10 said, how can they hear except someone be sent, Right. That's a fairly typical thing. Now, uh, on, the, on the opposite side, um, you can't give what you don't have. If you don't have a living relationship with the, the Lord or, or even with a church, uh, I've known some people that are really good at having friendships in the world. They're very popular. They've got lots of friends, and they bring a lot of people through the door of, of the church. But because they are not really integrated with the church, It seems to be a real obstacle for their friends and their friends get so far and and because they can't bridge that gap entirely their friends kind of get stuck and so if we want to be bridges to the gospel we got to be connected into the church fellowship as well as with the world not just one or the other um one thing that may seem overwhelming is that like this is this is uh i can't bear the load as a bridge it's too much on my shoulders uh, to be able to do this. And, and we can take comfort that it's not really up to us. I remember uh, the very first uh, individual that uh, the Lord used me to, to, to um, bring to church. I was feeling like, oh, my goodness, you know, this person has no background. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time and explain all these things to them and uh, all about uh, the stuff that I've learned for the past, you know, 17 years Uh, in growing up in the church because they aren't aware of all these things but it was amazing to me a real confirmation of the the reality of the holy spirit when a few months uh, or uh, they started coming to me and sharing the exact same conversion experience that i had just gone through a few months earlier without me you know telling them it was the holy spirit that was really working in their heart so it's really the holy spirit who is going to work in the person and draw the person we're just providing that loving context um and the other thing that we can take comfort in is uh, it's not just up to our gifts and abilities either god wants to use the whole body and he's got different people with different gifts in the body and so by bringing them to a loving church then god can use other hands and feet to address those needs and and we've been really blessed in toronto that you know there have been other people who have really embraced those that uh were uh coming from from um from uh, outside and they would uh, take them in into their homes for extended periods of times and and really show a genuine love and and so don't feel like you have to be the only interface to this person that's that's limiting god from being able to work so but sometimes there's problems with bringing people into the church there's Barriers and and uh, I took some time in preparing for this forum to talk to a lot of the friends that I know, um, that uh don't have a church background, ask them their experience what things worked for you, what things didn't work. And and to tell you the truth, I was a little bit discouraged with the report card that our that we got. Um, they they there was a extended period of time where they kind of felt like they were. Well, there's different experiences, but you know they felt like people were just coming up to them and talking to them on the surface. Didn't really get past the low. Very few people. Some of them maybe had a different language uh, background, so people felt awkward. You know, if I go up and talk to them, maybe they aren't going to be able to communicate with me, and it's going to be awkward. So I just you know rather not put myself in that position. Or they come from a different background. Um, but you can imagine. You know these newcomers coming to church and and what do they see because you know i get i heard this quite a bit from from some of our our, our young friends that even after they come for church for years they're still feeling like this they they come and they see people and camp almost intensifies it i mean i thought bring people to camp i've had such tremendous blessing at camp you know, the spirit has worked i've grown i've, I've such good teaching and it turns them off and i'm thinking what's what's wrong here why would something that's such a tremendous spiritual blessing to me be such an obstacle for them right but they come and especially you know when they're younger and they see um these people they they're all relatives to start off with they're everybody's somebody's second cousin once removed and, and uh so of course you know i don't fit in you know i might even have a different skin color and you know i i'm not related and then the other thing is they they know each other like they've been buddies since they're young and they're they're saying these inside jokes of stuff that happened 15 years ago and you're feeling like you know uh, you know you you don't know the language you don't know the the jokes and they they have and they you know god's blessed them they seem to all be fairly wealthy and well off and and they may not have access to the same resources and here they're saying oh let's go out and do this activity or that activity and you know wear these clothes or drive these cars. And all these things are additional barriers that make them feel not as good. Because the truth is they're already coming in with this inferiority complex that, you know, I'm coming to church and these guys are all whitewashed saints. And, you know, they're already looking at me this. And then if we do anything that kind of reinforces their Satan's lies that he's already telling them, you know, that's going to really hit a, a weak point for them. And so, you know, if we do things like, you know, bash churches. We say, Oh the Catholics, they believe this and and and, uh we we will bash entire churches and, you know, their whole family is coming from this background and they know really sincere people and they're feeling rejected. You know, although we're saying true things about doctrine, we can state those things without, you know, uh bashing um churches or, or using I think there was a whole forum this morning so I'm not gonna repeat it about the terminology that we tend to use without really explaining it. And um and then we just, like, assume that you know it. How dare you not know it? You've been coming for four months now. You should know this. And, um, or their very first experience, you know, uh, they might be, like, fresh meats. And, and everybody comes buzzing around saying, oh, who's this? And 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 not giving them the proper sp- space and, and giving them uh, some respect, right? They, they might feel like they're a specimen in the zoo here because they're new. Um, so... And then you know so things like we said like race and and, you know if there's any addictions and they're feeling very shameful about their past and then unfortunately we have people who are very insensitive about these things and who might you know be kind of whispering and giving those sideways glances and and say you know who that is and you know this about them and and who might be pointing out these things and then you know guys who you know don't want competition for the girls and kind of might you know use this as leverage or you're not as good you know, insensitive things are being said and are very hurtful and and very very damaging so these are the cultures of course you know after we've had this forum you know we, this problem is going to be resolved we're all going to go back and tell our churches and 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 we'll be changed and hopefully this problem will be solved but that's what we really need to happen and we need to pray and work to that end <clears throat> um as, as Brother Mike alluded to, uh, hospitality is, is really you know, bringing people not only into our churches but into our homes and uh, becoming vulnerable. And just like Christ made himself very vulnerable to us, we need to become vulnerable to us, and there are risks, as Brother Mike alluded to. So on the positive side, when you bring someone into your home, this really breaks down barriers. This really, by you becoming that vulnerable to them, by you breaking bread with somebody... It really establishes a bond. I don't know how that all works in our sociological makeup, but sharing food, which is why we're such a close fellowship, we're good at sharing food. Um <clears throat> really, you know, bonds people together. And uh and it, it uh the by by showing that trust to them, they in turn will open up and trust you and reveal things and, and make lasting relationships. And it's good for your family, your children start to see what you're valuing, and they, start, they actually enjoy it. My kids are always bugging us, when are you going to have somebody over? And uh, they learn to be a part of this and to value people and, uh, and see that God works. But uh, as Brother Mike alluded to, there, there is some, and in, 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 you know, my wife, really, you know, I, I, she should be up here, but you see, this is how we divide the work in our family. Um, uh, my wife does all the hard work, and I just stand up and talk. And that's what we do and so um so that's what we're doing today too and she she actually prefers that well she prefers that I do the talking I don't know if she prefers that she does all the work but uh, <laughs> uh so she she really has a ministry and, and you know a lot of the the people that we've we've reached out to are single, and so you know she's making sure there's lots of leftovers that she sends home with them and and that uh uh, she she feeds their bellies. It's the ways to a guy's heart, anyways, right? So, well, I guess food evangelism. I don't know. So she can take a lot of credit for that side of things. Um, uh, on the on the side of caution, though, you do need to be aware that these people do have their issues. Uh, they're not saved. Uh, they're not safe. And so you do need to be aware of you know where your children are and make sure that uh, you're not naive, that we are, you know, harmless as doves but wise as serpents and that we uh, do take some precautions. Oh, yeah, uh, your children, too, you need to make sure that they do still feel valued, that you're not shoving them aside because you've got this person you're focusing on. My my son, one of my sons is very sensitive, and he was having an issue. He didn't want to go to school, and, you know, he's saying, well, you know, you just don't love me. That's why you're sending me to school. You know, you obviously love, you know, Robbie and Dean more than me because, you know. Anyways, but they, they, they do kind of, even though it's not true, you know, that's what they're going to perceive. So you want to make sure there's no valid basis for that. When we bring
0: people into our homes or into we meet new newcomers in our church... We have to get out of our comfort zone. Um, a lot of us, another word for it we make up excuses. We say, you know, newcomers have a lot of problems. I've got my own problems. I just can't handle this at this time. It's not a coincidence that Jesus compares um, sinners and, and, and inviting sinners as fishing, uh, going for fishing, and, um, you know, fishing is sometimes smelly and it's a smelly and a messy job and you know we as a church we like our fish to be killed gutted cleaned descaled, and cooked for us we have to accept these newcomers these these friends of ours how they are how they've come Um, let's not cast judgment on them on their appearances and how they look and let's just look and see what god wants us to do in revealing his will in our lives through them some may say well I'm too shy I'm, I'm you know I'm not that type of forward person where I could just you know I'm reserved well guess what we're all shy I'm shy being in front of everybody here right now but we have to be bold and we just have to get over that and, and through God's help through the Spirit's leading we can overcome that with practice we have a busy life you know it's sometimes inconvenient they may uh you know you you come in on sunday morning to church and you're rushing your kids off to sunday school you yourself might be teaching so you're scooting over to the classroom or you've got to take care of something with some other brother or sister pertaining to let's say evening singing and you out of the corner of your eye you see this new couple that has come and or an indiv- individual standing alone in the foyer And you're kind of like thinking in the back of your mind Maybe I should go over there, but no, I'm just too busy. Somebody else will do it. Well, you know, guess what? God calls us to be that somebody. That we go up there and, and extend a hand and welcome them, make them feel as that we've been waiting for them. We might feel rejection and be afraid of that. You know you might might not your your kindness might not be received. You you might all of a sudden get a cold front put in front of you because of their shyness. You know Jesus you know when he was um talking to the rich young ruler um the rich young ruler was asking how what he had to do to be to enter eternal life and um uh, you know he Jesus explained to him what he has to do, but he was very rich. he basically just said, "Oh, thank you, Lord, and just walked away. He rejected Jesus, so even then you know some, Jesus when he evangelized people rejected him so if they did it to jesus and they do it to us it doesn't give us a, a license that we should just stop we are called to be evangelists we're called to be the light to the sin darkened world you might say well i don't have the gift well we don't all have the gift for evangelism but as we work on our on it and skills and show our love we have the holy spirit living in us which will help us through these situations um out of this uncomfortable feeling um we just need to rely on the spirit that you know he will be the one that guides and directs us and helps us through this situation but we don't need to rely on ourselves because if we rely on ourselves we'll fall and, and and you know if we rely on the spirit of the lord he will guide us and keep us and also bring this lost our newcomer to the lord We also may say, well, it's somebody else's job. It's not my job. Well, nobody gave us a license. Nobody says that, okay, you and you and you are going to be the ones that are going to be bringing the newcomers and the rest of us are just going to be sitting around and just enjoying the ever-expanding church or membership.
2: Understand that there are basically three levels on which we communicate. Um, level one... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, level one is like surface stuff. Things like the weather and um, who won the hockey game, the sale at Target. And most of us are really good at this. We can do this one really well. Um, the level two is a little more personal. It's things uh, about my life, my family, my burden. Details about the things that I care about, that's a level two communication, and that's better. Um, a level three communication is more intimate. It's my heart, my feelings, my burdens, my aspirations, my fears, and my failures. We uh, tend to trap ourselves in these little boxes, and we just don't want people to know um, the real me. We just form these walls and we just put ourselves in this little box and we just say, you know what, I'm going to expose myself this much, but I won't expose myself to let anybody know this part of me. But um, what God really wants is for all of us to be able to open ourselves at this level three, certainly not with everybody, but this is something that um, we all need to work on and even in our bible classes it was um, referred to as opening ourselves up and getting into those little groups where we're able to open ourselves up and god wants this for us so that we can uniquely impact the world for him because there's no one like you there in this world that can impact any anyone else like you can for god He created us all so differently. We all have our own unique gifts, our own abilities, attributes, qualities, and experiences. And God wants to get that out of each and every one of us. But there are two things that um, we believe are essential that need to be there for someone to make themselves known at this level three. And one of them is that they have to have confidence that what they share will not go any further. They have to know that they know that they can trust that person not to share that with someone else without their permission. And the secondly, uh, they have to have mutual sharing. People aren't going to open up to you and just tell you everything about their life and have you say to them, oh, thank you, I'll pray for you, and then you know, leave. There has to be some back and forth. There has to be some mutual sharing. Well, tends to happen is that we exchange on a level one, we exchange on a level two, and we won't even forge into a level three communication unless um, these two things are established. So um, these are all things that all of us can work on to be better, in. Um, we can all work more on um, building that confidence with each other and with others that we um, are able to share and and be able to build that trust with one another, as well as opening ourselves up to those people and sharing, not just receiving.
3: Um,
1: I just wanted to touch on one, reinforce one thing Sister Savitlana said about uh, confidentiality. Uh, this is another characteristic of our church is that we're very good at spreading news. Uh, when I was engaged I the night before you know I, I called maybe two or three relatives but somehow that evening in Mansfield uh, and Derek Kedvish told me he was being told about my engagement through someone who I to this day I haven't figured out how that those things connected so we we spread news very fast and not always good news and uh, some of our friends that are coming from a background of low trust you know are very very sensitive to gossip so that, that's a cultural barrier for them and just uh, w- another one thing that brother mike said before i go on um who here uh, wants to be loved raise your hands okay now who here feels capable of loving Okay, I think I got 100%. I'm not going to make anyone stand who didn't feel they weren't. But um, basically, you just told me that you're all qualified, that you have the gift of being a bridge, because that's the only qualification. It's not verbal ability. It's capable of opening your heart and loving. That's all there is that's required, love and truth. Now, we're going to talk about small church versus large church aspects. Um, From a small church, we have a bit of an advantage that it's not nearly as intimidating for someone to come into a small church where there's not as many people to know like it is here with 840, um, and it's kind of feel a little bit more like a family, and there's some intimacy there there, and they can get to know everybody, and that, that makes them feel a lot more comfortable. Um, but the very same thing that makes a small church an ad- uh, advantage can be a disadvantage, because they get to know everybody even the people that may not be so seeker-friendly, those who might come up and say some rather insensitive things. So we've had some examples where people say, oh, um, did you know there's a church down the road that caters to your ethnic type? Um, or, you know, <laughs> did you know that... Um, or that that really, uh, we had a, a forum on peer pressure this morning uh, from the Tomiches, and, uh, you know, this talk about trying to pressure people into conforming. And so... They may say, okay, um, you know, uh, we, we wear head coverings here, and you really should wear one, you know, and not letting them develop a conviction from the inside out about changing their appearances and, and conforming to biblical practices. But trying to enforce that from the outside in can be a real put-off. Or pressuring them, you know, like we said, some of them have a lower... Uh, economic means and say oh you've got to wear a suit you know uh, we all wear suits here and you know that means the person's going to go out and take a loan and they're already in debt and they're going to break a lot of other biblical principles in order to conform to our you know dress code Uh, really these are you're going to have to i guess in a small church you really need to be able to communicate with everyone to to change some of these things because they'll come in contact with with them in a small church
3: (coughs)
0: I'd like to share a little bit of coming from a large, um, church kitchener. We are a fairly large congregation. Um, we, you know, have approximately 400 people on an average Sunday morning and it's a little intimidating. And when a new guest comes to our church, they, you know, will walk in through those doors and they see all these people and they're all heading in different directions. It's a little overwhelming for them. Um, you know, like I said before in the earlier part of the forum, is a lot of people can assume that somebody's already helping them out. Somebody's already guiding them and explaining how the service runs. Uh, you know, They can get lost easily in the shuffle because there's so many people around you. Sometimes you don't see people for weeks, and even though they've been there every Sunday, you don't actually bump into them. Um, it can be very impersonal um, and in a large church. Newcomers can find it hard to find their place or where they're going to fit in which group they're going to merge into and that so you know these are all disadvantages that are associated with a large church but i'm really thankful that we have a large church because we have a lot of members and a lot of brothers and sisters that can help out and can reduce that um, anxiety level for our guests that come um our ministering brothers when we moved into our new church they felt it in their heart that they would you know ask for willing willing volunteers to become greeters uh, what that entails is they would be positioned at the entrances uh, of all the entrances to the church they would be standing there and if they noticed a, a couple or a, an individual that looked unfamiliar that they would walk up to them and and you know introduce themselves and um, even sit with them um, if it was a couple, they would just go and sit with that couple, um, with them during the service, explaining to them, and also after then introducing them to different members. Um, we found that very helpful. We, we still are working on it, and we're still always looking for more volunteers to fit into that because you know it's not just their responsibility to go up and to meet these newcomers and these guests. It's all of our responsibilities to do. But you know, they have felt that God was leading them in that area large church we moved into our new community we decided we're going to host a barbecue for the community um you know which went over pretty well um it basically we invited the neighborhood in to see the new church tour it and to um uh get familiar with some of the members that attend explain who we are what we're all about um you know because it's a brand new neighborhood they have probably never noticed uh, knew about the apostolic christian church um, so we've done that. Uh, we've also um, have a sign that we've made up for when we have special functions at our church. If we have a, a choir uh, like a All Ontario Sing or Choristers or some main event, BBS, we made a sign that we put up and we invited everybody. We made it very large so that everybody feels like we really want the community to know what we're doing. And that seemed to help. We also um, printed a, a two-sided flyer almost like a larger business card which then explained our church our beliefs that we could hand out for the newcomers when they came so that they would have an idea of what what we uh what we're all about we also made sure that we have a large sign in front of our church and all are welcome we put the times for our service in so that they could you know know when our services are and for some time if if we have to cancel services it's a good idea that you know that somebody would put up a sign on the door that if if a newcomer chose that sunday or that sunday evening to come to church and it was canceled that there would be an explanation why it was canceled uh, it's nothing more than get a building yourself up okay i'm going to go to church and then go there and the doors are locked I meanwhile well, the sign says there's services at that time so those are those are some areas that you know kitchener has done and what we have tried to implement and um, coming from a large church the number one thing is we have to reach out to everybody that we don't know if you make them feel welcome that we've been waiting for them to come we're anticipating their arrival and that we want to extend the love of jesus to them i've asked um, we've asked amy Doucette to to um, share a little bit about her personal experience um, not being raised in the apostolic christian church and so I'll hand that over to her so that she can spend some time.
4: Yep, I'm the designated newcomer today. Um, I'm a member of the Beverly Hills Church in Michigan. And um, I was once a newcomer because I wasn't raised in the church, uh, didn't grow up in this church. And um, church family was pretty much a new concept for me. Um, Just to give you a little bit of my perspective, um, prior to God bringing me to Beverly Hills, I had seen uh, the Catholic Church minimally growing up, and then about 10 of my adult years, I attended Catholic Church uh, wherever I lived, and then I spent about seven months or so in Christian churches uh, before coming to Beverly Hills. Um, just just a note, nobody's allowed to be offended by anything that I say, because, um, you know, I was just a newcomer, so, um, especially people from my own church, because, you know, those are the ones that they'll probably think I'm talking about, but... Um, I would just like to tell you uh, my first impression when I came to Beverly Hills. It was on a Wednesday evening in the spring, and you know it was still light out, so I could kind of see where I was going and and everything. And um, you know, very humble building. Uh, it actually is becoming less humble now, but um, but it was, it was very humble looking on the outside. And um, you know, there was a small group there. I'm sure uh, the, the tire was you know everything was very modest. And, and kind of average, you know, I didn't feel like well, I gotta go get a new car to come here and you know get a little more trendy clothing or something like that. Um, I really felt like really at ease and um that that was a good first impression for me. I think too where I was at i was I was kind of tired of the materialism of the world, and um I felt you know what, I think that these people serve the Lord here um. Next, I'm just going to talk about some things. That things we should consider—they're not actually um, things that I necessarily experienced. You'll probably be able to tell the ones that, that I experienced myself. But I did talk with other uh, members of my church um, to kind of get ideas and you know make sure I had some other input. Um, but you know how people stand to fellowship can encourage or discourage a visitor. Um, it's it's kind of a body language thing. And uh, standing in, you know, if we're kind of all standing in these sort of tight uh, circles, you know, versus you know, a little bit more open, um, it, it can be difficult to approach. You know, if everybody's kind of standing close together, and I know at times, you know, the room's big and there's lots of people, and just to be able to hear, we have to stand really close um, to be able to hear each other, but um, it's just something to be aware of. You know, if, if somebody walks into the room and... and um, all these groups are kind of just closed off. It's it's really not very inviting, and it's it's difficult for somebody to kind of come into that environment um, and try to interact at all. Um, another point, and that this was brought up to me from uh, a member of my church. You know, if if there's guests at church, um, new, newcomers, um, when if you're going to be inviting people to things outside of church, uh, you know, we need to be courteous and, and conscientious, like. You know, either we need to include that person in what we're inviting them to in what people are getting invited to, or we just you know, we need to not talk about it around them. Um, so kind of a logical thing, but it's good to good to point out. And this was another one that was brought up um, by a sister in my church. Um, you know, if, if you're going to bring somebody to church, you know, who's the opposite gender. So like, let's say I have a, a male coworker who I've been trying to witness to and he's willing to come to church such Um, it's you know it's the responsibility of the brothers then at at the Beverly Hills Church to kind of take him on and you know befriend him and it's and as as my other panel members were saying it's the whole church's responsibility Um, but that example in particular it was kind of important Um, here's my last uh, little point as far as kind of things to consider here Um, it's it's when I was a little further along though it's when I was uh, counseling and preparing for baptism. I would, um, I would come to church and, and people would um, ask me, you know, how, how are you doing spiritually? And really, I loved this because, you know, it showed that they were interested and they cared about me and that they were willing to have a spiritual conversation with me. Um, but... I had never heard this before, really. Like I was kind of, you know, this was sort of a new thing. And even though I I knew what they meant, I learned to try to. I mean, I can remember try, getting ready for Sunday service, you know, at home, and I'd be thinking, okay, if someone asks me how I'm doing spiritually today, <laughs> what am I gonna say? <laughs> um, you know, and it's not like I really came up with some grand I you know thought and then passed it on when they when they said it or anything, but. You know, it just, it's, it's kind of broad, and it, I kind of felt on the spot, even though I appreciated it a lot, I, and I knew their intent. So I was talking with a sister recently, and we came up with a few sort of alternative statements or questions that, you know, might work, and I'm sure everybody can think of other ones, but, you know, stuff like, you know, I'm, I'm really praying for you, you know, I hope that you're growing in your understanding, or growing in your understanding of the Lord, or even, you know, more direct, like, are you having any trouble understanding anything you are reading in your Bible? You know, something like that. Or, um, you know, if, or simply, if you, if you ever need to talk, you know, just, just let me know, kind of thing. I'm willing to talk. Of course, gender appropriateness there. But, and, and truly, like my panel members were saying, the Holy Spirit is our guide, you know, truly. Um, but, but just letting people know that you're available. You know. Now I'm going to talk about some things that kind of discouraged me, I guess, in a sense. Sort of gave me a negative impression. Um, and I guess this first example is I had been to some other churches that I would say were like spirit-led churches. I mean, they didn't have like a pre-planned, you know, "We're going to sing this, and then we're going to do this, and then this person's going to talk." And you know, not churches like that, but churches that. You know, the spirit kind of just guides the, the service. And I, I remember one still where there was like a, a long pause before a brother was going to offer a prayer. And, and even like choosing a song also. But I just remember thinking, my impression was, you know, either I, saw, I was a newcomer, you know, at whatever church this was. But, you know, that the, the brothers, they weren't prepared maybe or they, they weren't paying attention um, they didn 't care, you know or they they weren 't devoted um those are those are the thoughts that went through my head um and it, it was kind of discouraging you know it kind of gave me a negative impression um, the other the other one i don 't have a whole lot of discouraging thoughts so but but here 's the other one is that you know when I would see people standing outside the sanctuary when they should be in church, i guess i I was kind of confused, a little distracted maybe. Um, gave me a, a bad impression, you know, it's kind of like, well, what are they doing out there, and why don't they want to be in church? Um, and so that was kind of my response, and overall, I would say it's not a positive response, you know, not a positive impression. Uh, but okay, we're, we'll be on to the things that encouraged me, which there's many more of those, um, but in, and these are sort of summarized, but um, people showed me, they, were, they showed me a lot of interest, you know, they were, they were interested in me, and they, they showed me a lot of kindness, And the biggest thing, I would say, is they were very merciful to me, Um, kind of like my my panel members were kind of alluding to. Um, You know, I I had some sort of off ideas at times, and, you know, I had been different places and different churches, and, you know, I was just trying to make it all, put all the puzzle pieces together, and um, they listened, you know, they were patient with me. And they, it's like they tried to kind of gently steer me toward truth. You know, if I was kind of hung up on something, they weren't like, you know, throwing truth down my throat or anything. Um, so, I mean, they were gentle and they were, they were merciful. And, you know, I was very appreciative of that. Um, another thing that encouraged me at, uh, or that I could see as being encouraging at Beverly Hills is that there's a real lack of cliques in Beverly Hills, you know, there's no, like, age discrimination, anything like that going on, and, um, you know, people are friends with everybody, and, um, you know, clicks, it, it makes it hard to interact and hard to fit in. And you know, I was thinking lately, this, this analogy just keeps coming up in my head. It's like the newcomers of the ball in a pinball machine, and, um, you know, these clicks are like the, the things the ball bounces off of, and you're not really, like, hanging around at any, you know, for any length of time. You're just kind of bouncing around, um, not really able to converse with anybody, but that's not how it is in Beverly Hills. And you know, we we just have to be careful of that. You know, we're we're in a lot of settings besides our own churches, uh, camp, and and, and different um, settings. And you know, that really it's not a healthy environment. Um, you know, it makes people feel excluded a lot of times, and uh, you know, we don't we don't want to do that. Um, also. Which was very encouraging is i was befriended by a family a very loving family and they opened they offered a an open door to talk to them and ask questions uh, which was was really important in me ha- like understanding things i had a lot of questions and they very graciously gave of their time uh, time outside of church and this was a real blessing and uh, uh also this this one's kind of different i think but I felt led uh, to share it. Um, hearing spiritual conversations. Um, I remember, well, my first year, I I just came to church on Wednesdays, and because I worked on Sundays for the for the first year that I was coming to Beverly Hills, and um, so this is like six years ago, but I still remember this. Um, coming out of the sanctuary on a Wednesday, and there was a, a young brother, and there was sort of some people, kind of like in a, a loose circle, and. And um, he was talking about a problem that he had. And I remember a sister saying, Well, what does Scripture say? You know, and then the conversation went on and talking about what Scripture says about this. And, um, you know, as simple as that is for myself, that the Spirit really used stuff like this to convince me and show me, like, okay, God is the focus here. And, you know, that was something that was very, very encouraging um, to, to see that and hear that. And, one of the things I'm supposed to to really focus on with my little talk here is what moved me from being an outsider to an insider. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, well, here's a kind of funny thing. I remember when I first came to church, like the first couple of years or so, I, I kind of fumbled around with how I referred to church. You know, I'd say, I'd say this church and your church and that church and all those things, but I, I never said my church, and it just got kind of awkward after a while, but, you know, I just, it wasn't my church yet, and so how did, how did I get to the point that it was my church, and that's what, that's what this is, this part here is about. Um, I would say building relationships, especially, like, involvement outside of Sundays, like Saturday activities, and um, we had fundraisers and JCFG activities, uh, so that was you know those sort of things, getting to know people through those and and um, also I, I gradually inched my way into the kitchen to help out uh, after lunch on Sundays we have lunch every Sunday together, and that was really a big thing, you know there's a lot of bonding that going that goes on while we're working in the kitchen and um, that was that was a really awesome thing and seeing people outside of church in general. You know, it's like, excuse me, we we don't know, you know, we don't know God unless we spend time with Him, and so it's the same with people. And you know, if people are going to become your family, then you gotta spend time with them. Uh, also, I kind of spoke about this a little bit before, but being involved in discussions and conversations about spiritual issues, you know, even just going to Bible study, you know, on Sundays, uh, it, it's. Those sort of things, they, they, they built the spiritual bond. You know, not, there's not, there's just something about um, things like that and I guess all these sort of things I'm talking about right now work to do that. Um, but you know, sharing and, and just having conversations about various spiritual issues, it, it's just, it generates that unity and and the bond that we share spiritually, so. Also, kind of my last point here as far as, you know, how this became my church is seeing that this church's practices, like it's sort of quote unquote rules, um, that I could conform to them and that they really fit me. And it, you know, it was sort of like a gradual thing. Um, I know Edmund kind of spoke about, um, you know, ways to not do that, you know, impressing things on, on people before they're ready but it, it sort of was just a gradual thing and I eventually like just learned about the different characteristics and it was really not that big a deal so so those are those are some factors that um you know helped me help my church become my church to me um, see the next it's my last sort of portion here that I'm going to talk about and it's kind of just personal experiences that illustrated how it really is like you know a new culture that somebody's coming into the misunderstandings that can kind of happen um, some of them are kind of funny but uh i remember i started attending women's bible study soon after coming to church and i began to feel kind of anxious as to whether I would be expected to like lead a study you know I hadn't figured out how everything worked and you know how they chose who was next or anything like that and I I began to get kind of anxious about that and so I asked uh, one of the sisters I asked Leanne I who um, you know she explained to me well you know you're not you wouldn't be expected to do that you're not a member and great relief, great relief after that. <laughs> I know it seems kind of silly now, but, um, but truly like, and, and also the, the whole membership thing already was sort of this vague, intimidating thing because I was just ignorant of it. You know, I wasn't really familiar with that at all. So, and then the other one is, like I had said, my first year, I only came to church on, on Wednesday nights because of my job. And... The first Sunday that I went to church, it happened to be a baptism, and that was interesting because everybody that went to, attended Wednesday night service knew who I was, knew who Amy was, and and, um, people who didn't, they didn't really know who I was, Um, but then also, you know, you have all these people from other churches there, and so there was a lot of people, but that was fine. I mean, it, you know, it complicates things for somebody who's new, but, you know, it was fine. I'm just sort of giving you the setting which this takes place. Uh, but after lunch then, the afternoon comes along and we have uh well there's there's the service and it is for members only. But I remember that, you know, I was standing like right outside the doors of the sanctuary like pretty much like ready to walk in and then just kind of looking around, and you know, it, it was explained to me then, right at that point, that the afternoon was for members only. And you know, that was fine. And you know, I was kind of like, oh, oh okay, you know. And I just left. No, no big deal. I wasn't like offended or anything. Um, although it seemed kind of weird, but that that's okay. Um, but what happened was, instead of understanding that it was just that Sunday. I sort of had it into my head that, okay, every Sunday, you don't stick around for the afternoon because that's for members only. So I would, after lunch, I would just leave, you know, and, and, you know, try to avoid any sort of awkwardness. and you know, just exit. Um, and, uh, this, this went on then for, you know, a couple, two, three months, maybe, um. And, it, and, and, th- and this is despite virtually every Sunday service, one of the ministers saying, and we invite you all, family, friends, everybody, for lunch and afternoon service every Sunday. They probably said that. Um, but for me, like, that first experience, it wasn't traumatic or anything. But, um, you know, I guess that's what I heard. So that's what stayed in my brain. And so... So yeah, for a few months then, I, I just left, a couple months probably, um, after lunch. And it wasn't until I was emailing with some people in church, it was an activity like on a Sunday afternoon that was planned, and through my through our emailing, they realized she thinks that every afternoon service is for members only. So that was very humorous. We still laugh about it. Uh, but it, it just kind of shows like, you know, there's going to be misunderstandings and and uh, things can get a little embarrassing and, and such, but I guess the lesson isn't from it is um, trying to to come up with, with ways to prepare people, you know, beforehand about about things like that that might be unexpected or might make them feel awkward. Uh, I guess. But, um, so that's that's really what I had to share. I guess.
0: Thank you, Instead of reading my conclusion, I'll have it up there because I've asked um, Linda Yon to share a, a little experience also um, and those that have to leave, I understand. And, but if you would just, Linda, would you like me to bring the microphone to you? Or you like come up? Okay. Before I
5: say anything, I just wanted to start off by saying Obviously, I've grown to love this fellowship because I've embraced it and and embraced the traditions. And and I think of all of you as my brothers and sisters, and I love all of you. So I don't want anybody to be offended by (laughs) anything that I've said that I'm about to say because some of the stories are actually a little bit humorous, and a a couple of the stories are like, ooh, you know. Um, But um, I remember my first experience at camp, which was seven years ago, and um, a, a sister who I loved dearly from our congregation um, was uh, a situation had arose, and somebody needed some medical attention, and you know they came and got me, and you know, and uh, the the young girl who I was helping, you know, said, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know who you are, and uh, I said, well, I'm Linda Yawn, and she says yeah, but, you know, I don't know who you are. She said, uh, what's your maiden name? And if I hadn't been asked that once that year at camp, I had been asked it a hundred times. And, uh, you know, and uh, the sister of my friend said to her, oh, you know what, she's FDW. And I just went, oh. And I finally turned to her, because I knew I could turn to her and say this to her. I said, you have no idea the effects that, that those words have on me. Because the first time I heard those words, I was extremely new in the congregation. And this was all new language that I had never heard before. And it was said in such a derogatory uh, manner in that it was just filthy. It was like almost like the person had sworn and was a drug addict and you know the whole bit that i just you know really took that to heart and went oh my gosh you know what do these people think of me i'm from the world you know and uh so anyway then i became good friends with uh another brother here that i met at camp and he he eventually invited him into our home and if he didn't use that phrase once He used it 20 times uh, the first night that that he was uh, in our home. And I finally turned to him. And he and my husband kind of have this relationship where they kind of like to needle each other and get each other going a bit. And And I finally turned to him and I said, I assume you're using this phrase because you know the effect that it has on me and you're just trying to get me going. And he said, what? He said, are you kidding me? You should wear that as a badge of honor. We need people like you in our church. We, I think you're a huge blessing and you bring great richness and, and additional benefits to our congregation and our fellowship that weren't there before. You keep us accountable. And I went, okay, you know what? It's not so bad not growing up in this church, you know. Um, But the very first time that I came to church was my husband and I. It was just shortly before we got married. It was a month before we got married. And we're walking up to the front doors of the church. And things that you people take for granted back then, like, I mean, we all take for granted now, you know. uh, We get to the front door of the church, and we're just about to walk right inside. And my husband says, oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you. What? What did you forget to tell me? (laughs) Because maybe maybe we're not going inside. You can't sit with me. What do you mean I can't sit with you because I know nobody here? He says, well, men sit on one side and women sit on the other side. And I went, oh. But we're here now. Don't worry. You can sit with my mother who I'd met once. And she wasn't real impressed with me, you know, because, I mean, kind. She was always very kind and very welcoming and very warm and affectionate with me. But, you know, I was FTW and her son was dating FTW person. So, you know, so the the language and the lingo, it took a little bit of getting used to. Um, I, I smirked when the slide went up about the people looking at you like you're from the zoo. I experienced that personally. I went to another church uh, within our fellowship, and I was already a converted member, a, a, a converted person baptized at this point, but we had never been to this church before. I knew one couple at this church, and I had three small children, so my husband went into the sanctuary, and I took my three small children upstairs to the baby room where I was the only person in the baby room, okay, because it was an afternoon service. And after service, I stood in the foyer with my three children, literally clinging on to me because we had never felt so unwelcome in our entire life. My husband had stood up in the sanctuary and said, I bring greetings from the Windsor congregation. Wham, he gets swarmed in the sanctuary. There's his wife and three children standing in the foyer. Nobody knows us and nobody's coming over to introduce themselves. Nobody's greeting us we were literally who are those people even though i was dressed appropriately had a head covering on looked the part (laughs) you know until the one brother who did know me walked out of the sanctuary walked over greeted me as his sister in christ oh i'm so sorry my wife's not here she's going to be so sorry that she missed you and then all of a sudden the rest of the congregation went oh my gosh, it's okay to go and talk to that person now. And you know, guys, it can't work that way. It just can't work that way. We have a responsibility uh, as Christians. We have more of a responsibility as Christians because we know the truth. And we need to greet people and welcome all people in love, no matter how they look, whether they look the part or not. So, mm thank you. Thank you,
0: just want to share that um, the PowerPoint and also our notes will be on the MP3. I, I see we ran out of some handouts, but if somebody does need a handout, we can email the handout to you. Um, Is there anyone else that would like to share that, anything that comment or question? Uh, actually, in response to Brother Edmund talking about
6: food, what's so special about food, um, you can give somebody 25 bucks, send them to McDonald's, they can eat till they start seeing double. That's not the intent. In, in the Middle East, well, you know, this is where Christianity started. Um, your home is a haven of rest, is a place of protection. And when you invite somebody into your house to feed them there, that's a tremendous accomplishment that you're telling them you're, you're one of us. So that really says a lot. <coughs> and that's why uh, inviting somebody to your home is a lot better than taking them to the best restaurant on Earth. Uh, number two, uh, I am. I am also a first generation in the AC Church, and I don't sugar, sugarcoat anything. <laughs> um, the reason why I think I made it initially and was fine is for three things. Because I, I guess I dressed well. I smelled properly. <laughs> and, and, and I was a surgeon when I came to the church, and I got married into the Boston family. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of clicks in our church, and unless you're aggressive and and, and there's something that's attractive to you that you may you may be left behind. If people don't smell well or they don't look right or they're dirty or they're impolite, you you, you tend to be disregarded. And that's not that's ungodly and unchristian. That's not what the Lord Christ wants us to do. So I didn't I didn't I didn't feel that, like I said, because I had I had advantages. But a lot of people who come to our church don't.
0: And we need to be very, very aware and sensitive. We have to be careful how we present the gospel to everybody and invite them and show the love of Christ. Um, That's really, really crucial. Any other comments? My comment was, it's just
4: so very simple. Like you would think, just saying hi to somebody is such a simple thing that it can't affect them that much. But apparently, just you know, not saying hi or saying hi means. I mean, it can mean value to
0: somebody. Yeah, it's so so true. Just a simple hi or handshake, a friendly smile. I I have a question. Um, I'm going to just surmise that in this room right here, you you probably for
1: the most part are preaching to the choir. So do you have any uh, suggestions or ideas how to perhaps um, help out in your own fellowship people who aren't of this knowledge you have just presented and you aren't of the mindset where they aren't overly accepting and <coughs> willing to accept other people because I think for the most part the people in this room are the choir you're preaching to and the issues that uh, people run into you are from other people that, that's the ones how do you suggest uh, you take care of that panel <laughs> well uh i think sure well i gotta turn around brother Louie. and i think jesus came to the earth he had three years he didn't reach the whole planet and he had 12 disciples and he sent them out and so we have more than 12 here and you'll represent a lot of churches so we hope that you take this message back with you not only your practice but you can say some things as well yes in the background.
3: It's really up to us if we're bringing someone to church to make sure we introduce them to other people and establish those connections. Um, it's a lot of uh, if you can't just expect everyone know, to come up to someone, especially if they're a different and they're or um, you need to know who in the church is a person that would will be willing to accept this person and start the contact that way. And so it's up to each of us to do that. Yeah, that's
0: that's very true. Um, yeah, if we
3: you.
0: Yes, you'll be there, be there for them. Don't just bring them to church and then leave them and go with your friends or your acquaintances and busy. Make sure that you, if you have to go and do fulfill a responsibility, that you do leave them in good hands with somebody that will make them feel comfortable and welcome. For the mic, I think it's also true that a person would come into our church that, has not, that was not brought the first one to read them. Stay with them. Explain so what's, what's going on and stay with them. Don't leave them. Yeah, so just to reiterate, if you're the first one to make contact with somebody who is just brand new, just walk through the church, to to take the onus upon yourself, uh, to stay with them and just walk them through the service, be with them, introduce them. You know, you're the one that's, a, you're Christ's arm. You're the one that they're you know, you'll be re- reaching out and showing them the love of Christ. Or
2: whatever
0: because sometimes you you gotta be sensitive.
2: I just think that that gender thing that Amy brought up is really good because um, you know I, I've seen it happen where and it's happened to myself too where a girl will bring a guy to church, or a guy will bring a girl to church, and then all the other girls are like, Who "Can he come to church?" And, and you know, in some ways it's a threat, possibly, potentially, but at the same time he's probably feeling awkward, like, I you know, we're not supposed to be a couple, but no one else is talking to her, so I have to talk to her, and then that just makes the girls matter, because they're being talking to her, but
3: it's like they're in a catch twenty two. So it discourages from <laughs> So, so
1: to prevent that, I think it's wise if you are going to bring someone a different gender, call ahead, make arrangements. You know, you know, call someone who you know is is uh, is friendly to to be the contact person and break the ice from the other, from the other gender. What I have to do now when I meet somebody new.
5: I have to quickly. Write their name down afterwards because for the next. I don't have to
0: ask them the name again. Yes, that's, that's a good point. When, you, when you're when you introduced to somebody new, try as hard as you can to remember their name. That's important because then they, that's one hurdle that easily.
3: We repeated three times in the first 30 seconds and reminded. Thank you, Brother Costa. I have a chance to where some uh, people are bringing in or somebody came in, you know, as a couple. And then uh, I would talk to them and then before we're going to walk in, I would explain it to them that our we said uh, separate as they see. But I said, you don't have to worry about it because you're coming the first time. There is no problem. You can sit with your spouse, whatever you want, one side or the other side. But I said, I have to tell you, uh, not that after you feel embarrassed, I'm the only one sitting among the women, or I'm the only one sitting among the men. But if you are comfortable with that, sitting on one side, the other side, both of you, I said, we don't have that problem with the beginners are coming in. And then they decided, okay, we should if that's your custom, we'll do it this way. You know, she will go with my wife and I go with him, or you find somebody, they said we should try not to enforce the other way. They say, oh, you know, this is our custom, and they don't have to be. And we said in our church that we should aware of that. You know, for people coming few times here, yeah, don't worry about that, and listen
0: together. Okay. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna realize. You know, they if don't. they they come back later, if they're coming multiple times, they do realize. They'll ask questions, and that's a time when we can, you know, explain that. Yeah. I just want to say too,
3: right, like, it was not raised really in this uh, faith, but um, I had a very wonderful, loving experience coming to the church and was actually
2: baptized but after being baptized it kind of changed and everybody kind of went their own way and here you are still you don't have family in the church and you have to work on that a little better
3: about you know but you don't forget that they're you know they still don't have any family in the church and you know you still include them in everything and you know it just takes a while so.
0: we have to be sensitive once they do a member of the church and they have no family in the church that we become their family and and truly invite them into our homes and and just keep that going and we'll be blessed okay I see we've run over our time Uh, thank you all for coming